Welcome in to another episode of the Esports Network podcast presented in partnership with Reuters. I'm your host, Mitch Reams, and today we're talking to Ben Armstrong. He's the VP of Business Operations for Game TV and Guilherme Broad, Game TV's country manager for Brazil. Ben, Guilherme, thanks for joining me. Thanks, Mitch. Happy to be here. Thank you, Mitch. Uh, also excited to be here, and thanks for this opportunity. I appreciate you both taking the time in these very turbulent and turbulent environment we have going on right now uh, across the world. But we're not talking much about the coronavirus, maybe a brief mention. We're talking about Garena's Free Fire. It's one of the most downloaded mobile esports of the last year, and it's massively popular in Latin America. And of all Latin America, Brazil is the dominant country, one of the biggest regions for esports fans in the world, actually. Uh, and just like some of our previous episodes where we examined the esports opportunity in India, we're going to be doing that same thing in Brazil and focusing on how Game TV is working with Free Fire to build out the Brazilian esports scene. So, for people that aren't familiar, what is Free Fire? What is Free Fire, and what makes it unique to other esports? Uh, so, so Free Fire is a battle royale game, uh, as we have been uh, grown used to it for the last couple of years uh, but Free Fire has some particular things that uh, differentiates from the other games like PUBG and Fortnite and so on. Uh, the first thing that I would like to say about Free Fire is that uh, different from those other games is that it was born and raised in a mobile environment. You're not talking about a game that comes from PC or console, then it's shifted and transformed into a mobile game. Free Fire was developed to, with the idea to become a mobile battle royale game. Uh, there are other differences within the game, and there are other uh, characteristics that makes it unique. And you can see that because the game itself, uh, comparing to other ones, is a lighter game. So when you talk about the, um, the environment you have in countries like Brazil or Southeast Asia or emerging countries, where you know that you will be handling uh, the great part of your audience or your target will be handling like low to mid-spec smartphones, then the game itself uh, fits that necessity very well because it runs very well, it doesn't need a lot of data, so you have a mobile game which uh, it's fast, usually the games run around 20 to 30 minutes at most, so you have quick matches, light game, exclusive to mobile, uh, to mobile. so that all those characteristics makes the game unique and it serves pretty well the purpose in Brazil and saw other countries like that. And it's certainly seeing an absurd amount of popularity. I saw Esports Observer wrote this article about Free Fire. It's the biggest battle royale you've probably never heard of. Why do you think it's been so popular in those regions? Is it that accessibility due to the graphics of it? Uh, and just how popular is this game? I think when people hear about a game they've never heard of before that isn't one of the top titles in the West, they assume it doesn't really matter. Well, it does. Do you have any stats to share on how big this game really is? Yeah, sure, Mitch. Uh, just for an example, recently was released that the game had uh, 60 million uh, daily active users. 
we are talking about the most downloaded app game or whatsoever in Brazil and other countries. We're talking about a game that it's putting uh, when it's streaming, for example, last year's uh, the, the World Finals, the World Cup Finals, it reached 2 million viewers simultaneously on YouTube. So there's a massive crowd, there's a massive number of audience, and there's a massive number of people playing the game. If you go to like top 10 uh, videos on YouTube, for example, for Brazil, you're going to watch most of them are going to be Free Fire. You're talking about influencers jumping from 100K to 2 million to 10 million subscribers within one year and reaching peaks of 70 to 80,000 concurrent viewers. So this shows how much the game has increased, both in popularity for streaming and in popularity of people actually playing the game. Uh, we might, I, I think I have the number right, but I think it was 450 million downloads last year. So there's a oh mass, my. yeah, I, 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 I'm going to double check by the end, but I think that's the number. And so you have a massive number of downloads, you have a massive number of community. And what happens, you start creating like a cycle environment where you have those influencers getting big, and they are bringing a lot of people to their live streams. You have the you have the increase of streaming platforms, so it's not a more exclusive to only YouTube or Twitch. You have those streaming platforms rising within those influencers, and then within those influencers, they start creating teams, and within the teams, you have the guild. So you have the whole cycle within a community. So that it's one of the things that I think makes the the game really big as well. Those numbers sound in line with what we saw in America in the Fortnite craze when it was just going absolutely absurd. Influencers were coming up overnight, basically, from you know, 10,000, 20,000 subscribers to millions. Uh, and it was really a crazy time in the, in the esports scene. It sounds like that same thing is happening around Free Fire in Brazil. So, Ben, over to you. When did Game TV notice an opportunity in this game and what made the company want to get involved? Well, I think if you just look at the what, what has happened in Brazil over the last couple of years, um, is we we have our roots in the mobile gaming industry, and Brazil has always been one of those tier three countries that you get just to supplement traffic, and you could uh, buy traffic in Brazil at ten, fifteen, twenty five cents per install if you were wanting to drive traffic for a mobile game. But over the last couple of years, you've started to see Brazil be in that one dollar or even two dollars or close to three dollars in terms of buying traffic. And that's a huge jump for a single country that went from, you know, 25 cents up to two or $3. And so that speaks to like the player base in Brazil where they have a lot of um, energy around certain games, but then they're also that time that they're going to be spending in, in games is going to translate into real dollars for the developer of a mobile game. And so we, we see the opportunity for, uh, mobile games in Brazil at, at the macro level, but then you have to kind of hone in on what is actually uh, happening on the ground there. And so having a team that is in around 20 different countries and you see these insights that are coming from the market and Galerium is jumping up and down on every call saying, hey guys, Free Fire, <laughs> please pay attention to us here. Uh, we need to do something with Free Fire. Uh, and that bet has paid off uh, really well. It's super interesting given... Uh the situation there. And I think it's one of the biggest growth opportunities for companies in the gaming and, and esports world is 
let's figure out where these these growth countries are. And Brazil is a unique one because it already has an absurd number of esports enthusiasts. If you compare it to India, which was one of the more recent episodes I did, they're just getting into esports now. Whereas in Brazil, they've had you know a long history of esports. It just wasn't necessarily totally accessible to the masses. So I'm curious where that Brazilian esports scene goes. If we go big picture on it, what else is popular in that region, and just how many people are playing games? I, I saw Newsu said they had the third most esports enthusiasts is their title for people who are just all about esports. Like that drives them in the way that most traditional sports fans are driven. And said they had the third most. So what really is that Brazilian esports scene like? How popular are esports down there and how will we see it develop in, in the next coming years? Well, it's an interesting question because you you need the player base that's there. And now that you have the player base for all kinds of different mobile games, you start to see official communities pop up around those mobile titles. And then even official sponsors and official leagues that get the blessing from the game's developer. And that's one of the things that uh, we love about what Galerme has done for us down in Brazil with working with NFA and some of our other partners in Brazil and going and finding, okay, look, we've got the player base already. Who is best positioned to uh, create and own the official side of it? And so that way we can come in with the um, with the in, in consumer or like the grassroots players and get them into that official league. So maybe Glamour can talk a little bit about what we're doing with NFA because I think that speaks to how you have to think of through these uh, uh, markets that have such a huge player base and such a huge uh, uh, base of enthusiasts. You need to find wh what those games are, but then you need to find the people around uh, that are building something really awesome around that community. Right. And I'll let you jump in one second, Garamay, but I want to say the NFA is the National Free Fire Association. It's a third party league running in Brazil uh, around Free Fire, just to make that clear if people aren't familiar with the NFA. Uh, yeah, so Garamay, over to you. What uh, what does that look like? What does the rest of it around the NFA and working with the NFA look like in Brazil? Okay, so the NFA was like something that uh, it came to us early 2019, where we started to see that there was this huge growth in the competitive scenario for Free Fire, right? And for a couple of times, for some time, the the whole control of the league was uh, exclusive to Garena, and it still is actually. They they run the official league, but then uh, those kind of tournaments were just based on a single elimination, just single rounds, which didn't create like the idea that you can support a team or you can find players playing against each other's uh, every week. And with that, with the idea of building a league in seasons where teams play against the same teams over and over again, that started to create like a league that you can see how the players are developing. Okay, so this is where you start to becoming a, a professional a more steady environment for the esports. You're not just talking about uh, half a dozen teams that climb up to high tier uh, tournaments and they stay there alone. You're talking about teams that are being formed within the community, they're representing their community, and at the same time, they're playing against the other ones. So you start becoming, you have rivals, you have classic matches, you have players that stands out. 
So the NFA with that proposal, they started to gather all those teams that were, let's say, semi-pros, and they put it in an environment where they could grow. Uh, and now you can see that we are more than a year after, and the numbers that NFA is reaching is just absurd. They got like uh, 280,000 viewers last weekend. Uh, they expanded to 24 teams. They run seven different tournaments. And one of the exclusive difference from an NFA is that uh, we know that Free Fire is a mobile game, of course. But we know that there's a large uh, piece uh, of that players, a large, a large part of that players that play on PC. And there, there are really good players that play on PC. And so NFA is like a mixed condition where they allow players to play either on mobile and PC. So with really? that, you have, yes, yes. So is that's that an advantage? It's uh, for playing on PC, you mean? Yeah, I would. Just, I mean, I, coming to it, I'm not very good at mobile gaming and I've tried to yeah. play games like Fortnite and PUBG and I'm horrible at them on my mobile phone. So I'm just curious if uh, that's you see that as an advantage or not. Uh, there's this, that this has been like that, uh, how could I say this? This is a, a all the time open discussion if playing on PC is better, if it's not. Uh, of course, you have advantages, but at the same time, you have disadvantages. Uh, they are very, very extremely uh, excellent players that are mobile, and they are extremely players that are PC-based players. So there's like there's this health, uh, healthy opportunity, this healthy discussion. So NFA also also pulls the door and opens the door actually to that discussion, allowing players to be combined against each other and. Sometimes one wins and sometimes the other one wins, which you don't see in, in the official tournaments, for example, for Garena, which will be 100% mobile. But with that, uh, NFA started to create like a follower base. So there's a lot of people that actually follow the league and not the teams because they are excited to see the matches. And with that, you started to create this whole environment, and then we have the partnership with Game TV, which uh, we are starting. We created like this tryout where we are picking guys from within the community to play, to give them the experience of playing a professional in a professional team in a professional league against professional players. So that's where you start uh, creating that cycle of having a health from the community until you reach top tier teams. And uh, for Brazil, uh, this is a pretty different scenario because esports is big in Brazil, of course. Uh, it's a sport that has history in esports. It has uh, teams either with CSGO or uh, League of Legends that have world uh, champions around the world championships around the world but when you come to free fire there's a social economic difference there uh, free fire is massively huger it's a lot more evolving uh, there's just this thing that i would like to add which i thought i thought it was really interesting uh, you know that sometimes brazil is always famous for being like a soccer country right for playing people playing sure. soccer and stuff and those guys, uh, they went to this uh, favela, the slums, to do a documentary about two brothers that are now um, professional free fire players, right? 
and they have a shot which they are shooting like the soccer field so instead of people the, the little kids playing soccer on the soccer field they're actually on the stands playing on their mobile free fire because it changed a little bit how you associate the game with the idea of being an of being a professional player that's what every kid dreamed of sometimes when they were in brazil they wanted to be a football player but now most of them want to be like a streamer they want to be free fire players so that's how you start creating this whole environment and i think nfa really works that because it gives the opportunity to build from the community to the top tiers definitely it's super interesting there's a lot of things i want to ask you about uh that came up in that answer I definitely want to touch on, you mentioned the CSGO and the League of Legends teams in the country's past. I think that's a, a big deal because teams like Made in Brazil and Pain Gaming had these big moments on the world stage for a while now. And they've been mainstays around esports in the biggest titles. And so I'm curious, what do you think it means to the region to have those sort of teams competing on the world stage and just showing, hey... You know, we could compete with absolutely anybody. I remember uh, in Rocket League as well. That's my all-time favorite esport. Everybody listens to this podcast knows. I, I always use Rocket League examples. And there was one world where a Brazilian team came in and nobody really heard about them. And they immediately upset a really good team. This was season three or season four. And it's just always shown time and time again that Brazil is not just an emerging country, but one of the best countries at producing really top tier gaming talent and i'm curious what you think it means to the country and to the esports scene as a whole there to have those historic examples of really dominant players coming out of the region um i think this is important because when you talk about that you talk about how we can struggle with investments right uh it's uh most of those players or most of those teams sometimes can suffer because you have to have um a rentable you have to have like a aware a place where you can bring revenue you're not going to build a team if that team doesn't generate revenue right and if the esport in brazil is not so consolidated it's difficult to bring that revenue to the team but those few teams that went there and went toe-to-toe with top teams within the world and brought the trophies and brought, brought the championship, that gives the idea that, hey, we can do something. There's the possibility to build something when everybody thinks that it might be difficult or it might not be possible. So you talk about teams, as you said, you have Made in Brazil, you have Pain Gaming, you have many of those teams that were uh, competing in other areas they are actually now trying to build Free Fire Squad. Pain Game is an example. Pain Game mm -hmm. has one of the best Free Fire Squads in Brazil now. Uh, you have soccer teams investing, and that's where you start to see hope. If soccer teams are investing, so maybe it's time to start seeing that revenue, start to see the development of those players and how you build the basis. Uh, you have teams like Corinthians, you have teams like um, Santos, and Flamengo, those teams are traditional football teams in Brazil that are opening esports division. So when you look at this, you say, oh, maybe we're going on the right way, right? Maybe when we start to having somebody to finance those guys, somebody to give them support, somebody to advance them to a higher level, 
then you start to create this whole scenario where if we used to win one out of 10 titles, maybe in a couple of years, we're going to be winning five out of 10. And that's why, why I always like to think as developing the, the community, the esports scenario, and how you make it professional. Because you can be creating amateur leagues, you can be creating something that is just based on casual gameplay. But when you move a tier up, you start moving to a professional level. And with that, you need investment. And if you need investment, you need that investment to generate revenue. So when you start combining all those factors, I believe that within a certain time, not far away, you might see Brazil increasing its presence, not only Free Fire, which is the main point of our conversation here, but you might see uh, Brazil increasing its presence in other uh, disciplines of esports like Rainbow Six, CSGO, and so on. Definitely. The, the building out of regional or of amateur leagues and uh, minor leagues, I guess, is a fair way of describing them. The the under level of the top level is why the most dominant regions became so dominant. South Korea had such intense infrastructure in the 2000s, way before anybody else did, that they dominated esports for the last seven years. And now China and some of Europe are starting to catch up in games like League of Legends. But for a long time, that was where all the best gamers came from. And it's because they had that infrastructure. So I'm curious where Game TV is looking for inspiration on how to build out community-based esports. In America, we have so many different companies and organizations trying to do this with nobody really being the dominant one. You've got things like Playverse, uh, the High School Esports League, uh, NASIF, the Super League Gaming. You have Academy teams, you have Contenders teams, you have college programs all vying to be that sort of amateur under like minor leagues of esports sort of thing. So where was game TV looking for inspiration as they tried to build out their own leagues? Was it a sort of trial by fire or is there a uh, different pieces from different companies that already exist as they were trying to build this out? So if you look at where, where I grew up, um, I always would go outside, play basketball with my friends in the backyard or on the street, and then mom would yell at me and come home for dinner. I don't know that my son will have that same experience growing up uh, when he gets his age, but now everybody has kind of shifted to playing mobile games with their friends or playing PC games or playing some sort of online games with their friends. So in other countries, the the kids that were maybe 10, 15, 20 years ago, they were outside playing soccer or ice hockey or street hockey or uh, whatever whatever sport they were playing with their neighborhood friends. Now everybody is just playing their favorite games with their friends online. And our our mission and our goal is not necessarily to be yet another esports company that's trying to pump out a bunch of amateur uh, leagues and a bunch of uh, amateur teams because that's that, that, that can already be done with other folks. Where we see the most traction, we're running a thousand tournaments a day across a couple million Discord servers for example, and it's just for me and Mitch and Galerme and a couple of our other friends, we're just playing with each other, spinning up a, a quick tournament and away we go. So on the consumer side, like that's what we're seeing. Uh, and that's what we're pushing is just friends playing with each other. We're not necessarily concerned with um, those, those friends and those groups of friends 
battling it out against thousands of other people to um, be like the next great amateur team. Now, on the other hand, some uh, different organizations have approached us and said, hey, you do have a lot of reach into these communities. Um, it's hard to argue with a couple million Discord servers and um, the tens of millions of people that we reach there. And so some games, and I think NFA is a good example of this, where one of the slots in a major pro-am tournament would come from the game TV system. And that's just where we see all the data of who is playing and who is playing very well amongst their friends. And then they may get a shot to go and do something bigger. But it's definitely not something that uh, we are pushing for. We are very much uh, of the mind of letting friends play with each other because they're already doing that right now. I'd hop on Discord server and say, hey, can we uh, play a quick game of Call of Duty? Let's go kill some zombies together. I think it's a pretty normal thing that we're all doing right now anyways. But us providing a service that allows uh, uh end user just to do that within a couple a couple uh, commands or a couple of clicks, that's a it's a huge value prop for the end consumer. Interesting. I think that's a good model and one that people could take time to to look at and just provide the community infrastructure and then things will develop out of that versus trying to force people into this structure when there's already four other competing structures. Just offer, hey, come get together, play with your friends, and then, you know, there will be natural competition will take over as well uh, in that and it'll build up into more formalized structures you'd have to assume in the future. But as long as you focus on just being the playground, that's pretty important. Yeah. I mean, friends need to be able to play somewhere with each other. And otherwise, the, what's, the, what's the point of gaming if you can't have friend, fun with your friends? Absolutely. Absolutely. Uh, so that was everything I wanted to talk to you two about. Was there anything I didn't ask you about you want to say about uh, the work game TV is doing, the Brazilian esports opportunity, Free Fire, anything else we've talked about? I think it, it we can uh, close probably on like what's happening around the world right now. Obviously, the world is having uh, a big pandemic and it's not uh, an easy thing for all of us to go through. So on the game TV side, like we're seeing our DAU double in most countries and triple in, in other countries where folks are very much all about playing games with their friends because they're kind of being forced to right now staying home playing with each other. So it provides a, like a really good opportunity for me and you as gamers that just love playing our favorite games. But I think also on the business side, there's a really big opportunity where we're, we're having a lot of brands approach us. Uh, and these are folks that are traditionally spending at these offline events and offline events are not going to happen for the foreseeable future uh, where they've got all this budget that look, they want to, they want to throw money or they want to do something in esports realm. Uh, and Game TV's value prop of creating these communities for the brands and leveraging esports as a way to build the communities for the brands, uh, that is taking off right now. We're having a lot of uh, really fun conversations with different brands and helping them build their online communities. And its central uh, premise in each of these communities is running esports tournaments with, with the brand being the sponsor. Uh, it's all happening in an offline way, so there's no uh, no worries about the tournament being canceled or a big offline gathering because everything's happening online. Uh, and so we're seeing a lot of traction in that regard right now as well. And then on the con consumer side, uh, we're just running as many tournaments as we can per day uh, across the globe. Definitely. Yeah, it's certainly an interesting time across the world right now, but it's... Uh, if anything's going to benefit, it's going to be video games and streaming. And hey, we all need a little bit of a distraction 
uh, right now, especially if we're forced to be away from each other and social distancing. So video games will be that way of being together with friends without uh, being a risk or a social risk of spreading disease. So, hey, glad video games exist in this situation. Uh, it's about the perfect situation for them. So thank you both for joining the show. I appreciate it. It was great talking to you. Great learning about the Brazilian esports opportunity. Thanks, Mitch. Thanks, Mitch. We'll be back later us. this week. We recorded this Friday uh, about noon PT. So if something crazy happens over the weekend, that's why we didn't talk about it. But you'll be listening to this Monday when it gets published. And I've got more awesome episodes coming up for you later this week. Thank you all for listening.